ladles and jelly spoons. Welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace. I am joined today on Facebook and YouTube and, and all around the world by Mr. Christopher Spees. <laughs> Thank you so much for being yeah, here. Absolutely. Um, by way of announcements, the just in case something goes wrong with Facebook so everybody knows, you can find all the podcasts at truthloveandpeace.com or compensmith.com. We'll get you to the SoundCloud and the YouTube. And uh, it helps if I put my microphone on me. You'll be able to hear me better. <laughs> get with it, man. I know, right? <laughs> the beauty of it is, I guarantee it still picked it up, just yeah. not as well. Um, so... Uh, yeah, there was something else that I was going to toss in there in the middle of that, but who cares? So, truth, love, truth, love, and peace. Uh, I'm going to start doing this at the beginning. So, the, the big three questions to come back to if we need uh, something to, to reach for okay. is uh, what's your truth, what do you love, and uh, where do you find peace? That being said, okay. yeah. <laughs> those are the easy things right. to come back to. <laughs> yeah, so easy. <laughs> that being said, we were just talking about technical difficulties, uh, amongst other things, oh, yeah. and it's good to see you again. A lot yeah. of things have happened since the last time we worked together. A lot of, a lot of things, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, saxophone extraordinaire. Yeah. I just found out recently, <laughs> as in today on the way here, yeah. uh, flute player yeah. extraordinaire. And um, I only barely play flute. That's a, that's a new, new development. Close enough. Yeah, I'm going with extraordinary <laughs> okay. all day long. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But it's it's great. You guys, you've been doing great things. You're playing with Samantha Fish now, and yeah. um, and I think that kind of catches us up. You've been playing saxophone for a long time. That's where we met. Yeah, and, and about eight years. Well, professionally, about eight years. But I did middle school and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you want to start in all of that? Or you, we can start with the technical difficulties Let's just get that, that happen on the fly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sounds I like you want to confess. The, yeah. So uh, Big Jam Space Driver uh, had a gig at the Brickyard. Yeah. And uh, we just, we had just set everything up and I had gotten my computer hooked up to the board to record the entire thing. And uh, man, I was just not on it. I, I forgot three songs. And I, I didn't check all the signals before, so like half of them were clipping the entire. Oh, no. Yeah, this was a waste. You yeah. know, it was a total waste of the recording almost. Really, just for us at that point. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was in response to what you were just. Saying. Yeah, I've done that. If you want to see it in real time, if you go back and watch episode like 46 or something, me and yeah. the first time Owen and I sat down. Oh, okay. Oh, it was oh comedy of errors. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I missed I missed a few things, all because I had an SD card screw up and yeah. I couldn't figure out how to fix it quickly. I got frustrated. Yeah, technology, man. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. That's that's my OCDs, like me wanting you to move your lapel mic up I'll just a little bit. Absolutely. I'll just above that button. That's perfect right there. You got it, dude. See, look at you satisfying my OCDs. If that didn't need to happen, it just makes me feel better. Anything. Anything. Damn. Anything you need. It's just yeah. such so so good to see your face. It's so good to sit down <laughs> with you again. Man, yeah. I'm used to seeing you in we got a sound check. We got a douche. I we got know. a na 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 I know. I know. And but now we're you're on vacation and we can relax. I'm here. I'm on vacation for like ten days. <laughs> and I'm gone for a month. But man, I it's weird I haven't been on the scene at all for since January. Yeah. You know, I've uh, been all over everywhere else. <laughs> And it's kind of strange. It's, it's it's getting 
increasingly more difficult to find gigs here. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not here. People don't know that I'm here, you know. Oh, doing good. Uh, but it's a, it's a good thing and it's, it's a bad thing, you know, in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Like, I'm learning so much right now, you know, like how the business works and like I'm learning a lot about myself, like what I can actually take and yeah. what I just cannot stand at all. And um, yeah, it's a very good growing experience. I'm very happy. But it's it's just making me want to be here more, you know. Yeah. More than I ever have. Very you know? cool. Yeah. Man, there's stuff. so much stuff to pick apart in that. Take, is, have at it. Man. This is gonna be exciting. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so first, I look, plug to Audio Tree TV. Yeah. I watched that earlier today and just discovered them. Yeah. Uh, shout out to those guys doing great work. Amazing. Yeah. Top top of the line. Yeah. So I saw all of all of that material. And um, I guess if for this, if I'm just gonna cut right to the chase. Between the two albums, yeah, I really like the the rock and roll as opposed to, to the country. Yeah, 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 that's just my take on it. But what's no. it been like for the last year in, in the midst of all that? Yeah, so okay, um, that album, Chills and Fever, is entirely covers. It's all mm -hmm. songs from way back that not a lot of people know and then she just revamped them all yeah Bell of the West is um, mostly her stuff I think she got a couple from people she was working with mm -hmm. but um, she wrote all of that and there weren't any horns on it at all so the live show me and the trumpet player we were you know we were kind of pushed into writing parts for these songs that don't have horn parts mm. and really not it's not the style for horns at all, yeah. you know. Um, so that's how I started playing flute. I do uh, hand percussion. She's got me singing and stuff. It's it's she's working us. The uh, the trumpet player plays guitar and mandolin too. Yeah. You know, she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want you walking off stage, so just play something else. It's like you you got it. I'll do whatever you ask. Man. We can do that. Yeah, it was fun. It's a lot of fun, you know. It's pushing me to get better at instruments I never would have touched, you know. That's very cool. Yeah. So how did you get, how did you get approached to do that? Or where did, did that whole thing begin with the Samantha Fish group? Um, I think Samantha that, Fish? yeah. So she had a horn players and um, their time had come. Yeah. For many reasons, uh, not good or bad either way. Just they were moving on and uh, Ruben, the manager, was like, hey, I'm tired of working with these people that don't take it seriously. And it's, it's usually like a drinking thing, you know. If you drink all day, I don't want you on the gig. And so he, he's like reaching outside of New Orleans for that. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but uh, Of the few people who watch this, I doubt any of them are going <laughs> to report back to them. Yeah, right. So, so right. Um, we're a small group. Yeah. So he, he knew my dad because my dad is, uh, he plays with Honey Island Swamp Band. Yep, yep. And Ruben is their manager. So they knew each other and he ran into him at 1065, I think, or Bienville Blues, Bienville Square. It was like a small little mm -hmm. day festival that they did. Uh, and she was playing it. And he approached my dad like, hey, you know, I know that your son 
place more and would he be interested in, in doing this? And this was like August of last year. And I was like, yeah, I guess. I was just starting a new semester of college. I was like, I guess so, but I kind of want to do this, you know? And uh, so that didn't come about until January. And uh, he was like, hey, I need you, you know, like, would, would you want to do this? And I was like, yeah. I dropped out all my classes for the next semester. Yeah. And just got on the road. Nice. And I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. It's cool. I had to put a lot on hold, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a strange world to live in. Not being anywhere for longer than eight hours, you know. It's, it's very yeah. strange. It's, um, I can identify with that a little bit though. My yeah. drum corps was was a lot yeah. like that, you know, because you you're asleep and then you wake <laughs> up and you're somewhere else. Yeah. And then you do the same shit you did in the last place you were, and then it happens again. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. a weird Groundhog Day kind of thing. It is. It really is. Um, there's a there's a line in one of Samantha's Samantha's songs. It's like another bar, another hotel room. Yeah, yeah. you know. And um, <laughs> man, that's really all it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bar or a venue, hotel room, bar venue, hotel room. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think most people are like, hey, where are you going next? I don't know. I don't Ask even know where I am bus now. Bus driver. That's not my job. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know <laughs> what's going on now. You know, it, it's disorienting. <laughs> Man, yeah. it's disorienting, but it's fun though because yeah. hard segue into philosophy. Uh, being disoriented is one of the easiest ways to find yourself. You know, you get lost to find yourself, and so uh, that's. I think that that plays into or takes us to what you were talking about earlier about finding out our own limits. Yeah, you know, and learning what what, what we can take and what we can tolerate. Absolutely. And so. Yeah. What have you learned? Man, um, <laughs> I've learned that a lot of the way I interact with people, a lot of the ways I interact with people are very based in my own wants and needs. Yeah. Without, with very little regard for theirs. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting when you have people call you out for that in a totally nice way. I mean, it's like, hey, you know, come on, think about that for a second. Um, it's, 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 I don't know, I, I just have learned that I need to be a little bit more self -oriented. Yeah. And not that I'm totally, you know, selfish and arrogant, but <laughs> I am a little bit of those things, you know. Well, everybody has to understand their own perspective. Like, yeah. I, this is one of the places that truth, love, and peace came from is out of my theory of fear, power, and novelty. And yeah. the one thing that that we're all part and parcel to is fight or flight. Yeah. You know, everybody has one of those responses. And the rest of it is just complexity that gets layered on top of that. Right. That's the basis. Yeah. That's that's exactly where the, the truth, love, and peace thing came from. Yeah. Um, I'm also a lot more confident in my own abilities now, you know. I've, How so? I have this weird mental block that, like, I don't know, it's, I don't appreciate, it's not that I don't appreciate it, it's just that I don't appreciate, uh, like, hey, you sounded great, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I don't, I don't take that to heart, <laughs> because it's like, no, I don't, no, I sounded terrible tonight. And it, seem, it seems fake, but that's only, that's just me, you know? That's like my own 
mental hangups saying like, hey, these people are reaching out to you to say something yeah. and you're just shooting it down. It's <laughs> shitty, you know, it is. It's shitty. Gotta take that compliment. Yeah, man. I, I, not that I get them all the time, that's not what I'm saying. But it, I don't know, I'm a little bit more self-assured. You know? Yeah, yeah, that, that self-awareness is important. I fucking empathize through comedy. Um, if I don't feel like I'm getting the response that I should be getting, right. then there's one of two options. It's either their fault or it's my fault. And it's Always never been. their fault. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it's what did I do wrong or yeah. what can I do better? And, and so when people come up to you and when you're already in the mindset of, man, I should have, should have. Right. And then somebody says, oh, you were so good. And you're like, yeah, but I should have. Right. It's already yeah. self-defeating. It is. It and is. So I've had that same conversation with myself. It was like, chill out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of the plight of the artists, really. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. it's like we're our worst critics, you know. But that definitely our hardest. The best artists are the, their own worst critics, yeah, right? right? That's how we get better. I know, I know. It's taking sure. that uh, healthily, <laughs> doing yeah. it in a healthy way. Yeah. Is, is a tough balance, Yeah. <laughs> so strange. So strange. So. Have you had any uh, any hot spots, like any of the best memories out of, out of the, the time on the road? Man. What comes to mind first is... Yeah, I already thought of something the second you asked that. Um, I got to play Stubbs in Austin. Yeah. Um, it completely sold out. Wow. Yeah, the whole back room, or the whole backyard area. I don't know if you've been there. No, I haven't. Yeah, I've it's, seen pictures. Yeah, it's it was amazing. And we were opening up for the Revivalists, so that was a cool hang too you know those they're all just great dudes you know great at their their craft and the nicest people and um, so that was like we did a whole little Texas stint with them but Stubbs was definitely the highlight of that for sure uh, it was it was amazing incredible to see that many people just loving it you know how big is that crowd for people who can't see it haven't been there man I have no idea I think it's like 1200 or something um, but everybody's really close. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's packed in, yeah. and uh, you can't walk through the crowd. You know, <laughs> it just—it seems like way more than it actually is. It was great. Just so, a wall of energy. Yeah, yeah man. And they it's like a fire hydrant, man. When yeah. you when you put <laughs> put it under that much pressure. Yeah, it, it, that cool. was really cool. That was definitely top three. I, I've done a lot of different things. Like uh, I got to go to Canada uh, in February, which was awesome. I'm going up there again. And, Late August, September. Uh, I've been in both of the oceans. No, not West Coast yet. But I, I was in the uh, Atlantic Ocean the, like the last month or so. Never been there. It was cool. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing a lot of cool things that I never really would have seen. That's great, man. Yeah. Travel. Yeah, it's man. healthy. It is. It it's really is. Very healthy. Yeah. I think it's a necessary part of perspective building. You know, the the more positions you can see something from the better you can see it right yeah yeah absolutely i think that's the beauty of travel is it's a constant reminder of how small you are if you never get (laughs) there then how big could you possibly be right (laughs) exactly so many people on this planet and yeah and just experiences that you don't even know exist unless you do them and see them uh we drove through some mountains in washington about a month ago. Uh, 
we were going up to this tiny little town called Twisp, uh, Washington. Mm -hmm. It was four, four hours east or northeast of Seattle. And uh, the whole time it was mountain roads. And growing up here, I, I'm pretty sure we can all, you know, attest to there's nothing like that anywhere yeah. near us, you know. And uh, just these beautiful, natural things. Yeah. That you don't really witness the grandeur of unless you're there. That was that was a really cool moment too. Yeah, there's I, Ansel Adams is the what comes to mind. You know, the guy that took all the great landscape photos. Yeah, okay. Um, and the difference between seeing a picture of it and being there, you know, this it's like the spectacle of nature. We don't have mountains; we have the ocean. Right. Yeah. Um, for those of you listening, that we're at the Tinderbox in Mobile, so uh, we're, we're next to the ocean. We're not near the mountains. <laughs> yeah, at just all. in just in case. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I love those spectacles, man. Being being able to see, because again, that's perspective. When you see something that is, yeah, so much larger than yourself, uh, it makes it easier to accept that compliment and be like, oh, okay, like this is <laughs> yeah. a, a, a smaller part of a whole bigger thing. Right. That uh, that if you. My, my biggest conundrum in that regard is getting into my own head and I stay there so long right. and I'm so isolated because I like to be Yeah. that uh, interacting with people is just, mm, it's like there's no way I can tell you everything to catch you up right. to how long I've been worrying about these three <laughs> words. Yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah, man. But going way back, uh, I'm curious about your, your philosophy of music. How do you see music? How, how does, aside from it being your job and, and all that good stuff, yeah. what was it like developing your philosophy of music? Okay. Um, well, so I, wa I watched my dad my entire life yeah. uh, doing that. And he, he had, it was such intensity, and he still has this intensity for it. Uh, you know, it's like, there you know, they, like that's, he knew right away that that's what he wanted to do the yeah. second he did it. He was like 11 or something and he picked up the keyboard. He's done it ever since, you know. Wow. And um, watching him progress like that, you know, the way he has, has been a good judge of maybe that's what I'll do, you know. You know, it's always been a part of my life that when it became like an actual part of my life, it felt normal, it felt real, and it felt right. Um, and so like once I started playing, started delving in improvisation and everything, it's like, oh, I've found a way to express parts of myself that I didn't even know existed. You know, I think I may have said that at the Big Jam. Truth, love, and peace. That's that's okay if that's yeah, what you think. Yeah, I mean, it, that's totally what it is. You know, it's like I, I can go. I'm not really an emotional person. I don't think. You know, I don't let them show. I have a lot of emotions. I don't yeah. really let them show that often. And um, I can go on stage and play a song and just like just get angry at nothing. You know, just like <laughs> and let it release. It's just yeah. a release. Um, so my whole view of music is 
it's totally therapeutic. It's totally. If you, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. To, it's a hard question. So, so my analogy is that uh, it's it's a language. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, and totally. and so learning a language, the more proficient you become with that language, the easier it is to communicate. The you know, something internal. Right. Uh, Ideas through that language. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. And so we start with. And it's funny you mentioned anger because it's we start with this fear that we try to emote and, and yeah. resolve to find some comfort, and then when we move past that, we should when we share that comfort going the other way, it becomes becomes love. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and then you get into all we can go really esoteric and talk about how vibration and love and all that good stuff is the yeah. reason that we're here. Right. But. That is, it's hard to talk about music and not eventually get to the reason music speaks to everybody is because it's a part of something that makes us up. Yeah, totally, absolutely. It's been around since we have, mm -hmm. and longer, really, you know. It's the, but we've never not the world noticed creates it. its own, but yeah, but we've never not, yeah, not done it. And it, it's like, it's ingrained in us just like, you know, um, any other natural instinct we have, mm -hmm. it's the same. Mm -hmm. That's why it's such a widespread thing. I mean, it's a huge industry at this point. You know? yeah. and, because it's so easy to identify with, you know, and yeah. there's, there's so many rhythms that we are subject to, you know, the circadian rhythms, the, the rhythms of heartbeats, and, yeah. uh, you know, the tidal cycles, and, all that good stuff. Like, you can't be neutral on a moving train, like Howard Zinn said. We were right. on this rock speeding through space. Yeah. There is no static. No. Like, it's all in motion. Yeah. 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 Do you have any, before I push you too hard on, on your personal history, I'm always curious uh, <laughs> about the aha moments that people have. Mm -hmm. uh, because so much of learning a skill or learning a language is repetition. Yeah. But within that repetition, there are moments of revelation. And those, that's just the joyous. Yeah. Thing. I, think, I think that mine have been not sudden at all. They've been nope. gradual. You know, um, realizing that as long as you have authentic emotion behind what you play, mm -hmm. you can play anything. Mm -hmm. And it may not fit the song necessarily, but somebody's gonna yeah. attach to that and yeah. enjoy it, you mm -hmm. know? Um, being, uh, being confident in what you play is half the battle. Yeah. Which is, you know, it, you gotta know that you're gonna play that note and you're yeah. gonna play it right, you know? I mean, because right. otherwise you're, you're kind of fumbling and then you, it sounds like you're fumbling. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta have the emotion in it. You, you gotta have the confidence, and you just gotta put it. That that took me a few years <laughs> to realize. That. Yeah, well, that's kind of like the the ten thousand hours to master right. something. What do you think of that? Has that I, held true for you? Well, I'm nowhere near that at all. <laughs> but I can I can see that being a real thing because yeah. you know uh, we walk every day. We learned how to walk. Mm -hmm. and if, we're so good at it now that we don't even think about it. Because we drive everywhere now. Right, well, <laughs> yeah, that, that too. But driving is another thing. It's like you learn how to drive, and now we're so comfortable with driving, we don't even 
we'll zone out and mm -hmm. get to where we're going and not even think, you know, think about it. Yeah. That's, that's where I can see the 10,000 hours coming into play. It's like if you're spending hours behind your horn every day, there's going to be a point where you don't even have to think about anything. You, sure. do, you just do exactly what you're thinking, just straight stream of consciousness. The zone. Through. Yeah, right, the zone. I think that's what we all want to yeah. get to. But yeah, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. I have not put enough in. <laughs> I, I, there's the uh, the critic in me, I guess. It's like, yeah, you... You can always do more. Uh, and I just have to press that button every once in a while. Okay. <laughs> I think at every, every podcast, at approximately 25 minutes, I say, just have to press that button every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh, and then it, it derails me from my train of thought. But... Talking about the zone yeah, and, yeah. and flow states, it's funny that you mentioned driving in a car uh, because everybody can relate to where'd the last 15 miles go, you know, right. you just zone out. Yeah, yeah. And that is the perfect analogy because that's exactly what happens when you go into a deep meditative state. And then it's just autopilot. Yeah. You know, and that autopilot, I think, is the, The dark passenger, that's a whole other thing. No, the, that, that autopilot is the, the byproduct of that repetition. Like your autopilot yeah. is as well trained as you, as you practice, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating though. I, I like, do you, do you do any meditation kind of stuff? I don't. No, uh, well, I, other than, than practicing, pra any type of practice is right. meditation. That's Zen. I think that the closest to that I get is popping in headphones in the van mm -hmm. and just looking out the window like when we're going from gig yeah. to gig that um, definitely counts yeah i mean it, you it's all thought at that point mm -hmm. you know and um i've never done the sit down in a quiet room most people meditate. can't yeah well i say most people can't i can't it's yeah it's hard it, yeah it's, it's kind of difficult for me but um i do get into meditative states i guess yeah mm -hmm. um zoning out I guess is the mm -hmm. yeah uh, that theta brainwave state yeah that's fun yeah I, I, for the longest time I had I was very uh, wow I can't remember the word it's very what can't remember the where you were word that I was trying to say whatever skeptical there it is God yeah uh, I was very skeptical to, to the benefits of meditation mm -hmm. and uh, and yoga, but it, I see the physical. But there's a mental aspect to yoga too. Yeah. Um, and it, I've recently, in the past five years, come to the realization that oh, mindfulness, just mindfulness mm -hmm. in itself is totally helpful. Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing. To just the view when you step out of the stream, yeah, and you're like, "Holy shit! Look at how fast that's going!" Yeah, and <laughs> shoot, with technology nowadays, everything is now, 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 now. You know, mm -hmm. and that it, yeah, it's a very fast-moving stream. Yeah, absolutely, it is indeed. Yeah. So, philosophy. Do you guys in well, what? 
I'm curious. I mean, I'm curious anytime human beings have to, are forced to spend time close together. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you say here you go, I don't, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. No. Um, but what was, what was that like for you? I mean, do, do you do okay in, in tight spaces, like the touring circumstances? Yeah, okay, uh, y yes. I'm, I hold my tongue a lot. You're such a nice guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can not be at the same time. Um, but well, one of my biggest things is I'm an only child. You know, anything that was mine was only mine. Right. And um, so sharing spaces with these people that you just met. Oh, yeah. It's very difficult. Oh, yeah. And and then your personal philosophies start getting into play and like, you know, you butt heads with people. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. But learning how to deal with that in a healthy way, is, mm -hmm. uh, that's another thing that I've learned is like how to deal with people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there are a couple of... Uh, hard-headed people in the band and uh, interacting with them it's kind of like a mirror like I see a lot of the negative qualities that I see in myself and these other people uh -huh. and that's partly why I don't like them at certain points love them you know we just kind of get mad at each other yeah. is you know we, we hate ourselves and other people yeah yeah and um, that's definitely really helped with dealing with them, it was like, oh, I'm just dealing with myself. This is how I need to do it, you know. Um, but yeah, you, it, right now it is kind of like a sibling love for these people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I care about all of them deeply. It was family once you're that. Yeah, yeah. right. Entire year. When you have to smell each other for that long, <laughs> yeah. you're family. Yeah, and so. Uh, <coughs> All the guys in the band have to share rooms uh, every night, basically. There's one room that rotates, um, but you're no more than six feet away from somebody at all times, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, can weigh, it can weigh on you, for sure. I'd be going for a lot of walks. Yeah, yeah. A lot of walks. Yeah, you, you got to have those moments, you know. Taking long showers. Yeah. Even. Yes. Got to be able to zone out. Yeah, exactly. Got to be able to zone out. Get away from some of that time. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it'll come back to me. There was something in there that I wanted to double back to. But yeah. We'll think of it. It'll, it'll come around. <laughs> um, we were talking about dealing with other people's philosophies and, and how we see, you know, or, or how we argue with ourselves in the mirror and the, yeah. the, the reflection you know it's um, we like the road rage thing what it reminded me of were when we have road rage we know nothing about the people that we're yelling at right behind our steering wheel so we just make up things yeah typically the things that we make up are associated with ourselves <laughs> and the things that we don't like about us right <laughs> yeah yeah so Absolutely. we project that on other people and, uh, and that always reminds me of Val Kilmer in Tombstone. Okay. When he says, oh, yeah, he reminds me of me. Yeah. Yep, I'm sure of it. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, that's strange. It's like you don't, 
there's a certain lack of love for yourself that makes it difficult to deal with other people. Yeah. And that's crazy. You know, if people yeah. just realize that, it would, everything would be so much better. I think we're headed that way, though. The from I had a great conversation yesterday about the interconnectedness of people, and I'm sure that social media has changed the way that people deal with being on tour, I'm sure. I don't know if, did you ever tour before social no, media my, connectivity? No, this is my first experience. Big, big, know. okay, so yeah. I can remember, just to have something to compare, the summer, the, the last summer that I toured with Drum Corps, we still didn't have no smartphones and all that good yeah. stuff. This was 90, 1998. And yeah. uh, so we were on tour three months. Right. Uh, nearly all summer. And if you got a letter, that was it. Yeah. Like every once in a while, we'd stop somewhere long enough, you could call somebody. Yeah. But they would pick up mail like once a week from somewhere. Right. So, so I'm curious that having social media at your fingertips readily, does that make it easier to dip out of, in and out of, of being in that crowd? Yes, absolutely. Um, I've spent more time on social media, you know, this past year than I have almost the entire time I've had it. I was never really this strong social media presence. And I'm not now, but I'm a little, I've definitely come out of my shell. I post more often than normal. Because yeah. I'm just on my phone all day. And it, it helps me escape. Mm -hmm. But I think the escape just makes me want to leave. You know, yeah. It just makes me want to get out of there entire, entirely. Um, which I don't like. I don't like that at all. Because I want to be able to enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. You know? And if I'm, if I'm having a bad day and I'm on the phone you know, looking at what my friends are doing at home, it's like, I don't want to be here, you know, I want to be home. Yeah. I want to be in my bed. I want to be, you know, just doing whatever I want. So As that, opposed to sacrificing. Yeah, right. You start to get a little sour and uh, it's, it's a very negative thing. I don't think that you should ever feel like that, you know, I just want to get out. Um, but that's just, it all stems from me being cranky and wanting to zone out for a minute, yeah. but I just choose the wrong medium. <laughs> mm, yep. Out yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've looked back and been like, "Oh God, how yeah. much time did I waste on that?" Yeah. Shoot. In high school, I played video games. Which play? A lot. I, I liked Fallout a lot. You ever got into Fallout, Starcraft? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a totally different. Different style. level. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. Kind of well, it's, what it's, kind of Fallout was Fallout? It's totally first person uh, shooter. Yeah, it's okay. a first person shooter. It's a you know you run around, you can do whatever you want in this world. You know you do quests and all that stuff. And um, man, looking back at how many hundreds of hours I've spent just sitting there living a different life. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> you know, it's really scary because whether I knew it or not, that shaped me. You know that shaped who I would become today, mm -hmm. spending just hours, you know, looking at a screen and doing menial tasks. Which is, it's interesting when you think about the advantages of it, uh, like the repetition of doing things like that is good for really fast twitch processing, yes. like high speed processing. It is. So it's good practice for that, but 
on the verge of the artificial intelligence revolution, the fastest we can pattern recognize isn't going to be fast enough. It's kind of like, why are we bothering? Right. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's one of the things that we're programmed to do is just get better at stuff, get better at pattern recognition. And so if that's all we have, yeah. I, um, there's got to be a way to swing it to something good. I, in a way, it's like speaking a language. If, if you're, so maybe that's what we need to, to think of it as. All of that repetition has led to you being an even better saxophone player. Maybe. Because you, <laughs> you are, you're doing something diligently. Yeah. It's broad strokes. Yeah, just swinging is. at it, <laughs> whatever. You're just chopping at it like a. Yeah. Um, the you know the pattern recognition on the on the horn yeah. yes I don't I don't think that hand eye coordination that's what we're going for that's what we used to say no mom yeah. we're working on our hand eye coordination right <laughs> I don't think that that has helped me play saxophone at all yeah <laughs> it's, know, it's total I usually bullshit. close my eyes when I play and, yeah uh, mom didn't buy it either yeah right <laughs> uh, I don't know I, I guess it helps with problem solving too you sure. know you got to figure out certain things and, so do you see, so with your involvement more in social media and your awareness of its detriment, do you see any ways that you could use it to be productive? Like my first question is, why don't you do some kind of on the road podcast? Because I think everybody should get their voice out there and have a conversation. Yeah, um, I, don't know, I don't know that I would know what to do. What do you mean? I mean, I mean yeah, who, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, it's very boring in the van. I'm just going to sit there, you know, hey, riding in the van again. I don't know. That, talk to people. Yeah. You get six hours in with people and things get interesting. Yes. Yes. Like this, you know, this whole setup is great. It's perfect for that. Um, we don't always have a lot of alone time and time to ourselves that we can just do whatever we want, you know. Um, but also, I'm just not that kind of person, you know? It's like, I'm, no. I'm slowly becoming the kind of person that posts about their life. I'm, I'm nowhere near that yet. Uh, and I don't, I don't know that I ever want to be fully that kind of person, but social media is a, a very powerful tool when you know how to use mm -hmm. it. Uh, I will say that. Uh, you can get people to come out of your show just like that, just posting a quick little thing. Mm -hmm. People who would not even thought about it or known about it. Didn't even it. know. Yeah. yeah. There they are. It's so helpful. That kind of stuff. Or, hey, you know, go check out my website. Go check out these photos of me doing cool stuff. You mm -hmm. know, whatever. Um, it's definitely helpful in this day and age. Yeah. So how does that manifest for you guys? What is... What does your social media application for the band look like? And what's it like in I mean, kind of a, a post-industry world? Like we are very yeah. much on the beginnings of social media being the dominant force while the industry industry is on its, is declining. Yeah. And, and you're right in the middle of that. Does, does that manifest itself for you? Do you see that regularly? What does it look like? Um. I mean, I, obviously, we started with Audio Tree. That's one version of social media. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the way that 
Samantha Fish, like the whole thing, not just her, the way that they're doing it, the, the team um, is working. You know, she sells mm -hmm. CDs at every show, you know, it's like, uh, they, they do it like, hey, come out to this show, and that's pretty much all they do. They're like, come out to this show, watch this, you know, audio tree, but her fans are the ones that push the, the videos and they're the mm -hmm. ones keeping the fan page, you know, the fandom yeah. alive. She barely has to do anything. That's kind of like word of mouth nowadays. Yeah, like right. Shares are as good as word of mouth. Exactly, yeah. Kinda. Kinda. <laughs> <clears throat> you maybe reach more people, but it's less intimate, you know. Yeah, the value. Yeah. Um, she barely has to do anything. But on the other side, like with big James Space Driver, uh, it's that's something that we have to do every time. We, we push our shows, we we share, we promote, you know, we do everything we can to get as many people to see. Mm -hmm. Because we don't have that big of a fan base yet. Let's dive hard into Big Jam Space Drivers. Okay. For those of you who don't remember, that was the last time we were together. Yeah. Uh, and, and we were doing a podcast, and when it was, was Big that? Jam Space Drivers, and yeah, probably. And yeah. it was probably what? Josh Zook. Yeah, and yeah. Josh Zook was there. Yeah. And uh, Big Jam Space Drivers, obviously, Jam is way more artistic, in my opinion, than. Uh, well, that's Maybe that's not the right word. More niche yeah. artistic okay. than, yeah, yeah. than the type of art that Samantha Fish does. Oh, totally. Drastically. Is, yes, that's way more of an accurate statement than I was about to toss out there. Thank yeah. God I rolled that back because that would have been inaccurate where I was going. Right. So yeah. with Big Jam Space Drivers being much more of a niche art uh, or form of music, brand of music, whatever you want to call it, um, the social media applications look different. And yeah. uh, so your thoughts on either side of that how the marketing plays in from the social media standpoint or how the how that affects the philosophy or the music or how the music affects the philosophy and the social media because when you lose that value of the face-to-face -face contact right what do you balance that with if not you know massive follower numbers right um, so there's a lot, but pick yeah. and choose what you want to. Okay. What are your thoughts on all that? I think that the, the or just guys, gush about Big Jam Space Drivers, whatever you want to well, do. Yeah. do that too. <laughs> um, the guys in Big Jam Space Driver, <laughs> we um, we know not everyone is going to like our music. We know that we're not going to keep people in most of the venues all the way through. Like we we played Brickyard and. I mean, there were people there, and there were people dancing. I'm sorry I didn't get to make it, by the way. Oh, dude, it's okay. There will sure be another awesome. one. <laughs> good, 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 good. Uh, but by the end of the night, it was like we were exhausted because we were pushing. You know, we were really going for things. Mm -hmm. And then they were also kind of exhausted, the crowd, because yeah. it's a lot. You know, it's a lot yeah. to take in. Um, and so we know that we're not going to have millions of followers it's not really for them it's for us where um, I think with Samantha she's built up a brand and she has fans but like her shows are very very regimented you know she never really reaches too far out of the shell of the song um, 
And so it's like a t it's a totally different, like you said, it's a totally different niche in the music. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> well, one of the I things. Started talking. Well, one of the things that it, that I think is different, and and I've discussed it with a couple other people, is what it means to be improvisational. Yeah. And uh, how that is a different ability level because you can speak a language and write an essay but you could stand behind a microphone and barely get a word out right yeah so yeah. being able to 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 be an improvisationalist yeah. uh, is another is a level of expertise that most people don't know yeah and and so uh, Samantha Fish made, made a point in Audio Tree. She said that uh, her music now is uh, more lyrics driven, yeah. and that she never wants a song to be structured around a solo. Right. Beautiful. Therein is the difference. Yeah. And right. that in Big Jam Space Drivers, I've seen it. The, the the goal is we've got this cool musical phrase. Right. How many ways can we play with it, and what can we do with it? Right. Uh, and and there may not be lyrics. Yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah, there aren't any. Right, never. I guess hooting and hollering on the stage. But well, that kind of counts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those, those two things, they definitely apply to different people. And then, yeah. mm, I think it takes more effort to appreciate different levels uh, of art like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't like thinking of it as levels. Um, no? How does, how does it? Just different paths. Spectrum. Yeah, it's a so you spectrum. go spectrum instead right. of building. Instead of, because that seems like one is better than the other. Makes sense. And it's not. She Samantha is an amazing musician. Oh, Everyone yeah. in that band is an amazing musician. Yeah, yeah. But the the music and the brand doesn't call for that. Mm -hmm. They could do it. We we mm -hmm. do it for sure. Which is what. It's the choice. It's the right. choosing it's to the focus choice. on the lyrics right. versus the... And I think, yeah, I think that what we're doing, uh, Big Jam is a huge risk, <laughs> you know? Because, you know, we're kind of throwing money at it and seeing if it does anything, you know, if it catches on. Uh, I mean, yes, I'm never here, and those boys are busy, you know, mm -hmm. all the time. They're all musicians for a living, and so it's, it's really hard to get us all together mm -hmm. to do one big thing. Um, but yeah, well, and, I just, just for framing, uh, for people who may not know, the two groups that we're talking about here, Samantha Fish is uh, an incredible nationally touring act and musician, International. inter internationally <laughs> yeah, touring yeah. act musician that, that has developed an awesome brand as an awesome musician and, uh, and is a, a, a touring thing. Kick-ass guitar player, kick-ass singer. Yes. Yeah. Big Jam Space Drivers is a super group. <laughs> yeah. You can put it in quotation marks uh, yeah. all you want to, but it's a super group. Yeah, it's a, lo it's a local. Y'all are sure. a local super group. Yeah. There's no way around that. Yeah. And those are two different things entirely. Right. So please don't make the mistake of us saying that one is, is better than the other. For no. those of you listening that can't see our facial expressions. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, these are apples and oranges, and we are... But what I'm curious fruit. about, yeah, <laughs> what I'm curious about is how they're alike and how they're dissimilar. Yeah. So, that caveat aside, um, I think I'm grateful that you guys are, are pushing that envelope because getting to see a supergroup is uh, is a rare thing, right? You know, and um, it, like 
just speaking of supergroups, it would be really cool knowing what I know about Samantha Fish's work. It would be a whole other thing to see her in the context of a supergroup. Right. Like, okay. that's how different a thing yeah. these two things are. She does that, actually, fairly oh, yeah? often. Yeah. What she, does that look like? Well, I, I haven't seen or what, it. Or what's the name of it? But, oh, it's not, she, okay, maybe it's not one particular supergroup. Yeah. But she gets in with, uh, she did a thing with Anders Osborne over uh, Jazz Fest mm -hmm. and Eddie Roberts, mm -hmm. who's in my dad's band, or their band. <laughs> um, she she's doing a thing with Dwayne Allman later this year mm -hmm. in San Francisco. You know, she'll go play with these bands that are basically supergroups. You know, and she'll be a part of it. Yeah. Because who wouldn't want her to come play guitar know, for them? Right. right. Yeah, exactly. And so. Yeah, that she does get into that. It's not a consistent thing. Mm -hmm. um, but one more example of how each of these things is different. Yeah. Right. But back to Big Jam Space Drivers. I, I just because the jam band feel and the vibe, the I imagine the difference in the crowds, like what you get from the crowd, like you were talking about. Yeah. Is drastically different. It's, yeah. Total opposite. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, totally. Samantha's fans are the same people mm -hmm. uh, almost every time she's got uh this one particular couple that's been to like 190 of her shows wow that's yeah. great yeah they're they're retired and they can just do that you know and they love her i mean they've watched her grow up basically you know because she started very young and so it's it's a very healthy thing and yeah. they love her um a lot of her fans are like that uh, mm -hmm. devout you know and but they're all kind of the same demographic, mm -hmm. you know, older uh, blues fans, really. It's, which I, it's kind of a dying thing, I think. <laughs> Sad, but true. I know, but you know, there's only so many ways you can do the blues, you know. Yeah. And it, but anyway, everything um, has to grow up. Right and progress. Um, but with us, it's like we'll get. Sometimes we'll get the people who just want to dance. Sometimes we'll get the people who are just tripping out of their minds, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's kind of the crowd that we want to go for, is yeah. the people who will have like this emotional moment on their own, but to the soundtrack of what we're playing, you know? Yeah. So the thought comes to mind that uh, sitting down at a concert that, that you know, going, okay, there, are two, there are two kinds of experiences. There's one going and giving over you know, giving your thoughts over to somebody else and be like, I'm just gonna pay attention to this. Like yeah. when you watch a movie, you give over to the movie and you're like, right. well, I'm gonna let you steer and you're gonna guide the ship. But when you go to see a jam band play, there's way more room to play. It's way more philosophical in that yeah. you're, not, you're not letting someone else drive as directly as you are riding along with a bunch of people. Right. Because, I mean, we're experiencing all of that in the moment as well. Yeah. You know, we're, most of the time, half of our songs, we don't know where they're going for a while, you know, um, which is why we do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's Right, exactly. That's the whole, that's the whole goal of this for us. Yeah. You know, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of a journey together. That's, know. and that's what I think is fun. Yeah. Uh, because I, as, as a stand-up comedian, I have a great appreciation for you have memorized 
this you have written, com, you have composed this whole thing, and memorized it, and you get up and perform it. Right. Word for word, and you make it, you deliver it, and it makes it seem like it's extemporaneous and off the cuff. Right. Versus getting up there and being extemporaneous. Yeah, right. And that's, it's amazing because it's a, like a, going back to it's a different philosophy, it's a different skill set. Yeah. It takes a whole different thing. Yeah. And I've always found the crowds that are drawn to that more intimate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, you have to lend yourself to the spontaneity and the chance that you guys are going to fall apart and it's going to be really embarrassing, you know. And that's like the, the adrenaline rush of it, I guess. We don't, you know, there's no real adrenaline rush. We're not in danger, but. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> you kind of are, you know. It's like you may not get hired again. <laughs> hey, look, you, you may not leave with anything broken. Right. But. When it goes horribly wrong in the middle of a performance, the worst is having to carry that around the next day. Yeah. It's like, until I get on stage the next time, right. I have to live with that. Yeah, yeah, and you that's do. That's devastating. Like, it's, that's, those are the moments in which horrific things can happen. Like, yeah. incredible, you know, when we talk about how horrible suicide rates have been, those are the moments in which even when we killed from somebody else's perspective. You know, Richard Jenny comes to mind, incredible comedian okay. that uh, just was a slayer yeah. through and through. I mean, no one would just, and he ended up committing suicide. I mean, you know, Robin Williams, the list goes on and on, but those things that from one, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the whole like, that wasn't good enough yeah. for us. Yeah, back and to being back our own to, worst critic. Yeah, back to the whole, I mean, it's the same thing. It is. If you do bomb, you have to deal with that. I mean, you have to deal with, holy shit, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for however long until you can redeem yourself. And yeah. sometimes that never goes away. But we are, I don't know, we're very loving. Uh, well, dudes. Dude, you got John and Ashley back there on drums. How can you go wrong? I know, I know. <laughs> all of them, man. I, you know, after every show, we all are just like euphoric. Yeah. You know. Well, when you're around, it's an incredible European people. I mean, Owen Finley, John Hart, Jonathan Ashley, Adam you, Cooper. and Adam Cooper. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever seen any of you frown. <laughs> so that's probably the level of how happy yeah. everyone is. Yeah, and we definitely don't when we're together. Yeah, that's a good group of dudes. Which is one of the reasons that you have to keep doing the supergroup thing is because it is the the pure sense of you know it becomes love it becomes philosophy it becomes peace because it is this improvisational right. uh, what was the word you used the spontaneousness yeah. the spontaneity of all of you at the same time not frowning yeah <laughs> yeah and making something amazing yeah it yeah absolutely it's it's a really great thing um it, i wanted to touch it it kind of started yeah in a response to the complete and utter lack of that yeah. in the scene. Yeah. Um, we, when was it? Uh, it was last year sometime. Um, yeah. But, I mean, like, we, we played a gig. I think there was, it was this one gig somewhere in Panama City Beach. We were all on it, all, the whole big jam. It was a John Hart Project gig. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
we had this moment where we played this song. Oh, this is maybe just for me. I don't know if they remember this or not, but we like really just went for it and like went somewhere that we'd never been before. And then we all came back and it was all fine. It was all great, you know. And that was a really great gig because we were at a, at a venue that the people didn't mind what we were playing. They, they liked it, you know, cool. no matter what. It was great. It was perfect. And so after that, we were all kind of like, why don't we do this? But as something that, like, something totally different, you know, something we don't, we don't have to play what the people want, you know. <laughs> we're not looking to make money on this. We're doing it as a release for us. But it's kind of, you know, it, it was around in the 90s. Uh, my dad was kind of, kind of cultivated that whole thing with his band Kung Fu Mama. Uh, which is you know, a long time ago, but it was totally, it was totally instrumental, totally written by them, and it was totally experimental, you know. Yeah. And then it died away. That was gone. It's like now it's, you know, people just want somebody to go play at Felix's or something. You know, it's mm -hmm. like for for Bama, I love it. There's a specific type of band that can play there. Mm -hmm and it kind of excludes anything else. Um, and we were just tired of it, man. It was, it was kind of the same, you know, it's just... I think that's an audience thing. It's one of the reasons that I like stand-up comedy is because there is no... Stand-up comedy cannot be background. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it forces the audience right. to either pay attention or be lost. Or leave, yeah. Yeah, and if, if you can't persuade an audience to pay attention, things go horribly wrong. <laughs> right, and it's you, it's, it's not, yeah. right, yeah. Because they're there yeah. to be persuaded. Uh, you know, some people are harder than others, some people have help being harder than others. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but it comes down to whether the audience wants, wants to, to be there for something like that. Yeah. If you happen if you happen into an audience that is there and then you try and perform comedy for them, right. good fucking yeah, luck. Right. right? Like they didn't sign on for this. They're they not. They're just having dinner. <laughs> yeah. Mm. They don't want any part of that. Yeah, man. Uh, they don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. The list goes on and on and on. So I can identify with the. I can identify with how important it is to have an audience that is there for that purpose. Yeah. Uh, that is there to experience right. something on that level. Or, or level, that end of the spectrum. Uh, because it's a different end of the spectrum than you know, something that can be background. And when you get to the point where it can't be background, you establish this feedback loop. Yeah. of people feeding off of each other. And yeah. that's what I think is so great about what you guys do with Big Jam Space Driver is because there's no checking in and out of that. Like right. you are either buying the ticket and taking the ride or you're not. Yeah, or you're outside smoking a cigarette. Right, Yeah. right. You wasted however much you spent on the ticket. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I think that... So audience, like... Right. Which, how, do you, how does that look from where you're standing? Uh, totally depends on yeah. the band that I'm in, you know. It's like, where, where, who am I up there with? And, you know, like one, one thing that I really liked about um, Ben Jernigan and Yellowhammer and the Brickyard specifically, mm -hmm. is like, 
Noel took a risk and was like, you got every Thursday to Ben. Ben. And look at how far it's come. I know, man. Today, they were bringing, they were, you know, changing the scene. Yeah. By bringing all these people in. Yeah. You know, from out of town and just having fun up there, you know. Mm-hmm. And there were crowds every night. You know, every Thursday there was a crowd to see whatever was going on that night. And I think that that has helped. But I think that the Gulf Coast needs to really take a look at itself <laughs> in the artistic community, kind of like music, art, mm-hmm. all of it, um, and realize, hey, you know, we're not going to have a good scene if we don't enjoy and patronize original creative music. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Lee Anke and Ryan and Harrison McKinnis and all those guys, they're writing their own music and they're they're lucky enough to be able to do that and the other stuff that draws the crowds in, you know. <laughs> and I think that Big Jam was kind of like a fuck that other side, <laughs> excuse my language. Cause it, oh no, you can say fuck. Yeah, I mean, just a, we're just You can double fuck that. Yeah, right. We're just <laughs> appeasing the masses at that point. Nobody right. really cares. That's no fun. Yeah, and you know, not to rag on the scene or anything, but come on. I'll rag on the scene yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, not for you, I'll rag on the scene for me. For I, us, all of us. <laughs> I am highly critical of poor audiences. Yeah. Because I think it's irresponsible for one and it's rude for another. But I'm also very curious as to as to how much of it is uh, financial inability yeah. and how much of it is ineptitude. Yeah. Because grow, as someone who grew up in Mobile, I have, I have my druthers and opinions about the, the state of intellect here, <laughs> here in the Deep South. Right. Yeah. Um, and I hope that that is not the reason that people stay away from highly artistic shows and uh, meaning original material yeah uh, I hope that's not the case I hope that it's the case of there are a lot of people that would be there if they they could afford to be there more right. often and more involved but one of the things that for, that goes the first things out of the window is culture when you start talking about people being indentured servants yeah uh, which is pretty much when you look at the poverty levels it's really hard for a lot of people to enjoy their life yeah, uh, because yes. they're so busy worrying about how I'm going to feed my kids, you know, all that good stuff. All of it. So, at, in any given scene, I think the Gulf Coast in particular could take some notes from scenes that have had great success, and there are lots of them. You know, pick one. Yeah. And right. and take some notes. Of course, New York doesn't work in Perdido Key and Austin doesn't work in Mobile but I guarantee you within those there's a good idea yeah and and the good ideas usually run across the board and I think my take on it is that if you support the artists then the art will flourish right and that that's a huge risk for the bar owners that you know that have bands it's are you going to hire this person that's going to keep people drinking at your bar? Are you going to hire this band that you've never heard of and have never played around here? Like, 
just on the chance that they're good at what they do. Yeah. You know. So the chance, let's talk about that part for a minute, because I think one of the things we're missing is uh, these authorities. Yeah. Like we used to have authorities. Jimi Hendrix was a fucking authority on a guitar. Eric Clapton was an authority on guitar. So when they played music, people listened. Right. And that was the some of the only music they had access to because the means of getting at music were so limited. Right. But we trusted these people because they're fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it worked. Now they're not so fucking amazing. No. <laughs> and I their mean, dollar bill signs associated with it. And so yeah. it's much harder to differentiate when and where we should pay attention. And so you get the jukebox players to keep people drinking, right. whereas we have a lack of Ben Jernigans who could be considered authorities yeah. that are purveyors of quality. Right. Not just, you know, a thing, but a standard. Yeah. And and being able to and so there's an impetus on people who have venues mm -hmm. to provide a standard. Right. And when that standard fails, it fails everybody. Yeah. And building up that standard is a, is a massive undertaking, I think, you know. And then the question is whether or not it's worth it. Right, right. because we, a lot of our economy is tourist yeah. economy, and they don't care about local creative music. Yeah. They want to go to the bar and get hammered and mm -hmm. go to the beach. You know. I'm too drunk to sing this right. song I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah. Just across the board, there needs to be a shift towards supporting local creativity. But the problem is, is you're going to get a lot of shit. You know, you're going to get a lot of people who, not to, yeah, it's, a, it's harsh, but you're going to get a lot of people who think that they're great and mm -hmm. are terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's another standard that you have to set of musicianship. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, because otherwise it's just going to be just lackluster in general. I don't think that that would be a good way to go about it, just hiring everyone. But that's a weird, that's a weird right. balance. You can't just hire everybody, that's for sure. I think we, we need YouTube to, yeah. to give us the stratification. But maybe that's what's changing is that, uh, that instead of having this hierarchical industry that, that is top down, yeah. you know, that, Basically, the industry tried to tried to trickle down economy, the, the music world, and fucking ruined it by being shitty purveyors of quality. <laughs> but but another way to look at it is that if we switch that to the spectrum, then you have this spectrum of people that some have more massive followings than others, yeah. but everybody has a following. Right. And then then we can squarely place the responsibility of the audience being cultivated by a venue is the direct responsibility of the venue. Right. And if, if, that, if there are no venues that support something on a spectrum, then, there's, then you can't blame the audience right. for not patronizing yeah. that particular version of the spectrum. So for anybody that's wondering what I'm doing here is I'm raising a big middle finger to all the establishments <laughs> that are shitty in regards to the way that they cultivate their audiences. Yeah. Uh, so there's my rant for the day. <laughs> but you like how that was all sweet and flowery and I wonderful did. though? Yeah. Like lots of big words. Very, you know, articulate. Mm, sounds like yeah. I know shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that all sounds puffery and all that good stuff. but. 
but aside from all that, what's um, getting back to the fun stuff? What's it been like to live your story, man, over over the last couple of years? Because from one perspective, you know, bands and all that good stuff, but yeah. but you're still you. You still got to survive when yeah, you're not on the road and being yeah. back. And so, what's it what's it been like to decompress? Um, it's been a blessing and a curse, I think. Yeah. yeah. When I do get back, I have so much stuff that I have to take care of right. that a lot of times, that, you know, I get four days home. Yeah. I got to do dry cleaning. I got to do all this other stuff, you know. Stupid do, podcasts. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. You know, laundry, just whatever, whatever right, it right. is. Um, Life. Change your tires. Yeah. I, I just, sometimes it feels like I don't actually get a break. Uh, I don't get to decompress. Yeah. Uh, this one, thankfully, we're about to go out for an entire month, and uh, this this break is long enough for me to actually like go to the beach, nice. <laughs> lay out one day, you know, and just sleep in. And I've, you know, I've been able to postpone certain things so that I can get certain things done. It's only been two days, but it's felt like an eternity already. You know, it feels great to be back. Good. Um, but it is, it's, this, it's this weird balance, like you've got to find comfort and, you know, calming aspects to all the crap you have to do, you know, the zoning out while you're folding laundry, there you go, that's one of them, you know, but. You found yeah. yours in. Yeah, right. <laughs> I hate folding laundry, so <laughs> I don't know. I do it out every time. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a delicate balance, I think. Um, but my life has changed a lot in the past two years. Yeah. I was kind of stagnant before that, you know. Um, and I, I think the shift was when I went back to school. You know, I was very, I was very down on myself and depressed, and I wasn't doing anything with my life. I was just sitting around, you know, playing at bars and getting drunk and all that crap. And uh, and then when I went back to school, I had a focus, I had a purpose, you know. And that having a direction, whether it be 10 years down the line or a semester, you know, having this direction is, it's kind of saved me, you know. Um, I went all the way through, so, and then I dropped out for this band, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, for Samantha Fish. I couldn't pass up the opportunity, but now it's like, I have this, I'm, I'm doing this until I can't anymore, you know, whatever causes that. It's just having a focus and a purpose. It's like kind of saved my the rest of my life. Kind of, you know, not that I was in a terrible path, but the one what he wanted to be doing. Right. Yeah. And it was it was very um, detrimental in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But so I'm, you know, I'm in my early mid twenties. It's like I'm learning myself. I'm learning yeah. the world, and it, I definitely have learned a lot recently so it's been a, that's it's been a good ride for, the, for a little while and yeah it's good yeah. good stuff <laughs> yeah well what did you study in school uh biology oh, I went yeah? In, yeah i went in with like a marine biology kind of focus but then i didn't want to do that and uh so i'm doing i have a biology major pretty much done uh with a geology minor that is done yeah and um love geology man yeah 
it just is so easy to me. I don't know. It's like, it's just rocks, you know? <laughs> Are you familiar with Randall Carlson at all? No. no. Oh God, and we're about to blow your mind. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, geology is a great gateway to history. And Randall Carlson is one of the guys that is a huge proponent of the Tunguska event. Okay. Not the Tunguska event, excuse me. The Younger Dryas event. Okay. Um, the Younger Dryas being the time period where the Ice Age came to an end cataclysmically. All the megafauna died right. in North America. Yeah. So Carlson is a geologist that went out and found all this evidence. Now there are like 60 scientists saying they've overturned all this, this old information and old theories about uh, humans in North America. Yeah. Uh, the, the cataclysms that, that happened around 10,000 BC you know, this veil that's hard for us to see beyond when it right. comes to human history. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Randall Carlson, this is amazing stuff. Like yeah, okay. talks about these, the, the Younger Dryas event, the, basically the same scale as the impacts in the Yucatan that yeah. caused the extinction of the Triassic 65 million years ago. So this happened over the ice sheets though. Right, and just melted it all. Instantly, yeah, 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 just wiped everything. Oh, yeah. So no, I didn't know about cool that. Shit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't know. Who Randall Carlson. This is one of the scientists yeah, involved. Man. Yeah, man. The like, just you can see if you take a topo topographic map uh -huh. of the U.S., <clears throat> you can see where the the glaciers were coming down. Mm -hmm. Just by looking at the map, like you don't even have to like the Great Lakes glacier. You know, yeah. it's like. They came all the way down into you know the middle of the the country and then dropped off all these massive boulders that would have been there. Glacial erratics, yeah, right? Exactly, and receded, and then just there was this huge flood. Like all of a sudden, you know, which could be the biblical floods. I don't know, but yeah, man, that that's some crazy stuff that we don't ever experience now. Yet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, may be, it may be coming soon. We don't know, but. We hope. Yeah, but being able to look at just like the basic compositions mm -hmm. of a rock and knowing that, wow, that came from, you know, somewhere else and at this point in time and this is like however many years old. It's, I never it's knew really you had a minor in geology. Yeah, dude. That's it's, awesome. It's fascinating to me. I love <laughs> it. I really like it a lot. Um, and I, I, I think what I wanted to do was like, freshwater environment and like how, you know, like shoreline erosion and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, don't like the ocean. No, I'm not, I'm not too keen on. Devalue your life. That. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, I like, I love the ocean, but I don't want to. Over there. Right. Yeah. I don't want to study it really. You know? I don't need to be that much more on the food chain than I already yeah. am. I'm good. I'm good. Um, but. I got Blue Planet, man. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But you know, like freshwater environments, river systems. Man, I've learned about um, the Mississippi, how one day soon, New Orleans is not gonna have as much of the Mississippi by it as it does now. Mm -hmm. um, it's, go it's, they're fighting constantly, uh, they're fighting the Mississippi from flowing out into the Atchafalaya Basin and basically just rerouting by Baton Rouge and drying New Orleans up. You know, it's like, what? Nobody knows about that. And he wouldn't if he didn't 
kind of study it. Unless you pay attention to the fact they've been fucking with the water well, systems yeah. in New Orleans yeah. for how many centuries? Right. Yeah. <laughs> or you can. Or you can look at that. Yeah. Um, but that's that's history, and that's one of the things that, yeah. and this ties back into audiences and perspectives. I think there's some perspectives that people who don't study geology and don't understand time on that kind of level, yeah, miss things. There's there's a whole different perspective there. So, yeah, as you were, um, totally. You know, we we see it constantly on the bay. Uh, the, the piers and everything they just get washed away. The shoreline yeah. is gone. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Right. And. And yet we still build on the bay. It's like, how stupid do you have to be, really? Well, you know. In 50 years' time, the Southern Florida Peninsula—it's gone. Gone. Yeah, I know. I know. And, um, and that's not—that's not speculation. That's not woo-woo. That's the consortium, the consensus, the majority of scientists agree yeah. that uh, going bye-bye. Like within the gener- within the lifetime of people who are alive now, right? Florida will most likely be cut in half, if not thirds. Yeah, that's like I say that to you, and your face doesn't explode because <laughs> we know things like this. But there are people out there who whose face would explode if yeah. they had to if they heard that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's amazing. I mean, it, that falls into like believing about climate change a lot of people around here don't believe that you know right with audience well <laughs> until until the uh, the slime in South Florida like the the, the red tide oh yeah I mean it's oh, it's devastating and it's so funny that places like the Gulf and the beach and South Florida are so you know gone in the next 50 years right. so in the middle of climate change to have as many people standing around going, nah, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's not Below, happening. Like how, when did cognitive dissonance start to apply to context? God, I don't know. That's a fucked up question. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't. We've, we've gotten so delusional that we can deny reality now. Yeah. A lot of people have. Yeah, man. Yeah. If you don't believe me, go check out my Facebook page. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> looking at you. Looking at you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's scary, but those of us that can anticipate it are going to be fine, you know, uh, until Yellowstone well, blows up. Well, I'm moving to Colorado. It's going to yeah, be okay. Right. Well, if Yellowstone blows up. <laughs> if Yellowstone blows up, everybody in the eastern United States is fucked. <laughs> Unless the wind changes direction, right? Yeah. I mean, like, if we avoid the pyroclastic flow, yeah. Even this far east, we'll be lucky. Yellowstone, yeah. goodness gracious, mega volcano. No, yeah. The sad thing is we're overdue. Like, and so overdue is a weird term, I think. Yeah, I don't mean Go to stop no, 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 no. This is like, good. How are we? How do we know that we're due for anything? Yeah. You know, I mean, we can we can look at the signs and be like, okay, pressure's pretty high. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we yeah. don't. I mean, I guess we could probably figure out. Well, how historically, much we can take. But, so, it, but historically, it's like everything's it's, it's random. Flux. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's maybe there is a pattern, but it's seemingly random. You know, mm-hmm. like we've been saying for the past. 
13 years that we're due for another Katrina, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And where is it, you know? We say it every year, we're due for another one. Oh, mm -hmm. we're due for it. Mm -hmm. It's not here. That's know? why when it shows up, it was due. Right, exactly. It's gotta be ahead of the curve. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean though, it's like, I'm kidding. due is, is strange and it doesn't have an endpoint. So a, a better way to put it would be that in the cycles, because we know things happen cyclically. Yeah. So, so within the cycle, it has been uh, a longer period of absence than than previously. Yeah. 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 And it, that it, would be more accurate, right? Because that's just an observation. Yeah. As opposed to Absolutely. an expectation. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I, I just think that the expectation is unwarranted. Yeah. Like we're. It's unjustified. It yeah, is. It is. Yeah. But it's kind of. When it happens, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't happen mm -hmm. for the next 50 years, we can't really be surprised. You yeah. Know? Like, I don't know. So, I use the word overdue or, you know, we're due to... I would like to think less inaccurately than I just described. An inaccurate use of it would be. So, what I would... How I would phrase that to be more accurate would be, or make the same point, would be the, the rising temperature of the Gulf yeah. is a great concern because it's an exacerbator for hurricanes. Right. Um, and the lack of deep ocean currents because of the rise in the Gulf, especially around the Florida Peninsula, yeah. is highly troubling. Oh, yeah. And makes us more susceptible to right. the conditions. So that would be my well-researched overdue right but still overdue is not the correct terminology the correct terminology would be the extremely susceptible yeah yeah and increasingly yeah as time goes See, on. i forgot you were a saxophone player for a second there <laughs> <laughs> i love this i kind of uh this is two sides as we all should which yeah. is why i love this because I, I i've never gotten to talk to you about geology before yeah. so so how do you see the the circumstances we find ourselves in what are your thoughts on climate change um, Being a Gulf Coast resident, I yeah, know you got them. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's very real. It's very hap It's happening right now. Sure. Uh, there is constant evidence, you know, it just keeps rolling in these massive amounts of evidence that all this stuff is happening. Um, I think that we are past the point of no return, and we're going to have to find alternate ways of existing on this planet. Yeah if we exist on this planet at all, you know, in the future. Drastically different ways. Um, and I was talking to my girlfriend, Rachel, I think last night, it was like, I was talking about Elon Musk. Yeah. Great dude, doing a lot for the, for the world, but he's spending massive amounts of money on building a space program. Great. Mm -hmm. What about the trash island out in the ocean? Yeah. Where is where's all the money flowing into Which fishing? Which trash now? island yeah, in the exactly. ocean? Like, <laughs> Pacific or Atlantic or pick another ocean. Right. I mean, okay, yes. We have gone past the point of no return. Doesn't mean that we can prolong the inevitable just a little bit by getting rid of all the trash yeah. or just repurposing it even. And there I know that I know that that's a hard, it's a very difficult task, but we created that trash out of elements on this planet. We can get rid of that trash with elements and things that we've created on this planet. Everything on this planet that we have done or whatever has been here. Yeah. You know. 
And are there any plans that, that you like or programs that you like that are, are doing those things? I don't know. No, I've, no I've, I haven't really researched specific things, you know. Sure. Yeah, um, I've seen, you know, graduate students coming up with these devices that'll pick up the trash out of the ocean. I've seen, you know, mm -hmm. ways to uh, purify the water systems that are very practical. Mm -hmm. Where are they? You know, like yeah. what happened to them? Why is nobody backing it? You know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't, it's really crazy to me. I feel the same way, especially when, when we've got, there are solutions out there. We, yeah, we have the technology for water-powered cars. And yeah, water is a limited resource at this point, but like solar-powered cars, you know, fuel-powered cars that run, you know, 150 miles per the gallon. Yeah. It, it's all there. It's been bought up. Greed, which I'm not a religious person, but if you say, if you talk to me about the seven deadly sins, I think that that's the worst. I think that is the, the arch nemesis of our time, yeah. for sure. Uh, and But I think it's promising that, that there's a chance we're going to get away from it. Um, dude in 2020 is talking about universal basic income on the ballot. Okay. I don't know if, uh, if that's something you're interested in, but... That's a big change. It is a big change. And I, I think that it would be a helpful thing. I'm not politics and economics. I'm not first in that at all. Not really. Uh, but yeah, I think that would help. You know, well, I think it, it ties back into where we started with art and with being a good audience member and, and being a good participant in that when we are unencumbered uh, by our bills, yeah. and, and we're afforded the opportunity to enjoy and participate <laughs> in creating stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, even if it is just as an audience member, and and greed is a big obstacle to that right now. And I think I'd like to think that we are on the precipice of getting to something where we're going to be able to push past that and go. Why are we denying anybody this? Or not, not even denying, but why aren't we just actively promoting everyone be at a, at a better level in, in their life circumstance? Yeah, I think that there's a, a whole, this is bold, a whole generation of people that just kind of need to go away. You know, they're You're the, the ones, first person to say yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I, I love people in that generation. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like it's not something that. I believe wholeheartedly like we should kill all the old people. <laughs> Not saying that, but like, all right, you're gonna be here for the next 20 years tops. It's time to step back yeah. and let the younger generation mm -hmm. take over. Mm -hmm. You have so much money, you don't even know what to do with it. You can't do anything you can't with do it all. Anything, and you're just sitting there mm -hmm. waiting to die. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you're killing all of us in the process. Mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. It's gonna resolve itself. Uh, yeah, uh, one way or the other. Time is gonna kill off the. Uh, the but that. Thomas Jefferson <laughs> even agreed with you, and and he wrote that even in the forms of government, every twenty years, he said nineteen, but every nineteen years, all of that shit should be rewritten. Yeah. And not to change the ideals, but to change the who gets to control the future. Yeah. And the people that have more future to live 
should get an appropriate say God, <laughs> in what goes on in the future. That's so basic. It's, it's just math. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's not even complicated. And, and yet, that's, it's going to be a while before that actually happens, I think. Yeah. I'm, I, I have a very pessimistic outlook on the future of this planet. But. Well, do you think artificial intelligence and, and processing power and social media and the information age is going to help or hurt that? Um, social media in general has already been shown that it hurts. Uh, the whole Facebook scandal about Trump and Russia, whatever. I don't know anything about mm-hmm. that whole thing, but but I know that there were ads, folk, you know, sure. to people. We have to hear about it now, so it right. must be a thing. Exactly, and it's probably been a thing for a while. Social media, I don't know. Technology and AI, that's gonna expand exponentially until we do not exist and then it's going to keep going because it can do it on its own yeah <laughs> which maybe is a better thing you know there i don't know but uh i think that technology is only going to get better and it's only going to help us more but we've got to be willing to put it in the right place and yeah. have it doing the right thing and uh, so um, i kind of think of humans as a sickness like a plague yeah. on this planet yeah i like to say that we're just fucked up little critters yeah i mean we are like uh i flew into los angeles recently yeah and up in the air i was sitting next to the drummer in samantha's band and we were looking out and i was like dude it's a scab it makes agent smith look real right yeah dude that's a huge scab and he was like i was just about to say hey look look at that huge scab and i was like it's, it's disgusting, mm-hmm. the amount of just what is there. It's disgusting. Yeah. And whatever. I'm very bold. I don't want to die. <laughs> you know, I don't want to yeah. quit my existence on this planet, but we're going to have to figure something out. Well, I think we've all gotten to the point where we can look around and go, there are better ways to do all of this. Yeah. And there have been for a long time, and a lot of people are frustrated that we've waited so long to make any real efforts at doing things better yeah. on a big scale, yeah. you know, because it's one of the reasons that I think the Works Project was such a big deal during Roosevelt's, you know, during FDR's time, and why all that mattered is because a whole bunch of people felt like they were making shit better. Right. And nowadays, people just feel like they're boot healed. Exactly. Well, it's, okay, so it's easy to sit here and talk about all this. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't. What have I done to change anything? Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't done anything. I. You're doing something it. right well, yeah, now. Yeah, I'm doing something right now. I'm, you know, talking about it on a public platform. But I mean, what more can I do? What more can you do? What more mm-hmm. can we all do? And I, I just don't know. Like, I, don't, I think that that's what's really frustrating for me. It's like right now, it looks like a David and Goliath kind of thing. It's like, what can little old me? do against a multi-billion dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. Well, like Desmond Tutu says, uh, it's just the last person I heard say it, and I just like saying his name and seeing his face <laughs> in my memory. I'm sure someone else came up with it, but there's only one way to eat an elephant. Yeah. One bite Good at bite. a time. Yeah, a bit more than that. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I think, like you said earlier, that's where community is so important. 
Yeah. And uh, and the people around you, and having people around you. And yeah. That the reason that I do this is to demonstrate that it. It, how and, and it can be done to have a conversation and just sit down and, and talk about stuff and focus on something yeah. besides social media for a minute. And so setting a good example is one and uh, spreading a little love and joy in your community is the other, which yeah. you do very, very well and a shit ton of. Thank you. <laughs> give yourself some damn credit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I think doing doing more conversating and doing more playing music and doing more making people laugh yeah. is, is a good thing. So yeah. I take away that every time I get a laugh uh, on stage that that's, you know, like, a, you know, it's like a fairy fart. It's, right. it's maybe not the best, but it can't be the worst. Right. <laughs> They're going home happy. Right. Gonna, so, it, you know, you that trickles. You know, you fart this little thing into existence. I don't know why I wanted to see a fairy fart, but whatever. <laughs> picture it. Yeah, it's <laughs> my visual learning all over again. So, <laughs> yeah. so I think those things are very helpful. Uh, keep doing art, keep doing all that good stuff. And what else? What else could we do? Go to a show. Go to oh, a show. Thursday night at the Brickyard. Yeah, for those of you on Facebook, Thursday yeah. night at the Brickyard. It's uh, on the reg. It's well, no, it's this this time it's me, my dad, um, and Kevin Scott mm -hmm. on bass. He's uh, he plays with Jimmy Herring. Um, he was he played with Colonel Bruce for years. Uh, he's touring the country. He's in my dad's band with uh, Eddie Roberts and Alan Evans, Matador Soul Sounds. Nice. Um, and I mean, he's a uh, just disgustingly good bass player and then well, the drummer's kind of up in the air right now <laughs> uh, we and had it's a this thursday is yeah. the the what? ninth the ninth thursday the ninth brickyard 10 p.m five dollars now yeah. for some amazing improvisational music hell yeah well we've been at this for an hour and a half and i know you've got things to do so i'm we're gonna we're gonna dip out here because i know we could both keep going yeah. and um and <laughs> and i've Roll. Just want to thank you for your time. Yeah. What other plugs do we need to get in? Big Jam Space Drivers. Big Jam Space Driver. Samantha, Samantha Fish. Fish. Yeah. And um, the Brickyard. Crank. Crank at the Brickyard. Yeah. Crank at the Brickyard. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, Matador Soul Sounds. Matador uh, Soul Sounds. Dad's band. Yeah. I don't know. That's um, does he still do the Grateful Dead or the Thankful Dead or whatever that is? is that Mobile's Dead. I don't Mobile's know. Dead, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the plan for that this year is. I think there is one going on. Okay. I don't know about it. Well, Mobile's Dead, if, uh, if that's in, happening. In if November. not, go find a video, like and subscribe, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've got anything exciting. Um, the open mics in Mobile, Tuesdays at the Tinderbox. Wednesdays, thanks to the Tinderbox for letting us hang out and do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else, what else, what else? What am I missing? I know I'm missing something. Um, if you're on Facebook and you want to check out the rest of the podcast, there are 50 some odd episodes now on truthloveandpeace.com. Uh, you can find the YouTube links and all that at comptonsmith.com. And I think that's fucking it. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add? I don't know. Live no. your life. <laughs> Do what you want to. <laughs> Dude, well, thank you so much for sitting down, Chris. This thank has you, been man. awesome. It has, yeah. And uh, until next time, ladles and jelly spoons.
truth, love, peace.